guys, it's Amanda and Barron, and we are back again with Kicking Cancer Cares. And our second sponsor for this half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. So if you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or just not sure if that's the right move for you, definitely give her a call and ask her all the questions. She's more than happy to answer and go over everything with you to make sure that you are comfortable in your decision. Her number is 503 409 4389 and then continue to pray for her she's going through her own battle as well well you know we've been doing a lot of associates that was probably the best cliffhanger we've had it was good time. job <laughs> good job we need to have awards start awards on the show <laughs> well before we get into part two of your story i just want to bring the listeners up to speed a little bit on appendix cancer because it is such a different topic that we yeah, talked about absolutely uh august is Appendix Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Most people have probably have no idea. Uh, this is, we're still in October. This is the last Saturday in October. Uh, and we talked about this last week with Mickey. The one thing that the breast cancer organizations out there have done is an amazing job of letting you know that pink is breast cancer. Except for some people, like you, you just figured pink was cancer Cancer in general. Mm-hmm. The color for uh, Appendix Cancer is amber. Okay. I'm wearing a yellow shirt. She's wearing an orange shirt because amber is kind of a blend between yellow right. and orange. And I think you're actually probably wearing as close as possible to amber right now. I am, like the middle. I'm Somewhere the middle, in the middle. Of you guys. <laughs> um, the average age to get diagnosed with appendix cancer is 50 to 55. Okay. And you were a little younger than that when you got Yeah, started. yeah. I wasn't 40 yet. Yeah. So. The other thing I think is interesting is in <clears throat> December 2018, which would be five years ago, uh, uh, nine out of every one million people were diagnosed with appendix cancer. Wow. Except this year, one oh. out of every one million people. Okay. It's a very rare cancer. And it's gone down. It's gone down. That's Le- actually Less people are being deal. diagnosed with appendix cancer. That's good. So I guess the question for Celeste is, are you happy that you're a rare cancer? <laughs> <laughs> I know when I I was like, oh, well, how cool? I'm like, wow, was that the right thing to say? That's right. not really a cool thing, is it? <laughs> but but if you know, for what you're saying on your story, you're up in Vancouver, mm-hmm. they they think it's ovarian cancer. They didn't do the hysterectomy, right. which is actually part of part two of your right, story. Right. But but then they just happen to take your appendix out in the process. Uh-huh. So where did they go from oh, we happen to take the appendix out to now we actually tested what happened next? Yeah, so um so after that first surgery, um, I was in recovery, and I got a phone call from the gynecologic oncologist. Her name is um, Gina Louise, because um, that's part of my later story, the fact that she left my, my uterus and my ovary, uh, the one ovary, obviously the right side was, was where that tumor had grown, and so they, they kept the other side. Um, and then I ended up with this very spontaneous pregnancy, which from what I had heard had never happened. And they had not had a case of a spontaneous pregnancy after this cancer and after these treatments. And so I, I told... So child 11 is a miracle. She is my miracle baby. <laughs> and, I, and I told the oncologist at the time that, um, that if it was a girl, I was going to name it after her because I was so happy that she had been the reason. Yeah. We, we couldn't have had that option if it hadn't have been for her. So I do have a Gina Louise. That my, nice. <laughs> Gina Louise after my oncologist. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yes. So anyway, um, but... She she called, and you know, whenever you get a phone call, it's always like scary. What are they going to say? Right? They didn't just update my chart; like they're calling me. And so she kind of fumbled over, like, "Well, we're not really sure 
here. I, well, this, you know, and it's different. And, um, and so that kind of left us with almost more questions than answers. Like we had hoped that this surgery was going to be the answer. And, you know, now I'm recovering and now I'm being told, well, we actually don't know what we're dealing with. And that so, is not what you want your oncologist to say. Exactly. Exactly. So she started saying, well, you could try to go to OHSU. Um, you know, I, I'm still doing my research, but let's schedule a follow-up. And um, so then, you, you know, still in the back of your mind, you've got this cancer thing. You still yeah. don't have any idea of what you're going to be dealing with. I still had you know, small children. It's just all the things. And um, so so life felt very, like, it didn't release any of the burden. You know, there yeah. wasn't a plan. And I'm a no. very, like, let's get the order. Let's make a list, you know. Planner. Exactly. Through and through. And there was no organization. It was just kind That's of. That's throwing your world into a up, big upheaval. Up in the air. So, um, and then we, um, we found MD Anderson, a friend actually told us, you really should go to MD Anderson. And we looked at several different major hospitals and they had the most research of anywhere in the United States. In fact, internationally, they've, they've been recognized for their treatment of appendix cancer. They had several specialists in that specific thing. So we had to get that approved by our insurance to get it covered in network. And our our doctor, my oncologist, had to write some kind of a referral in order for the insurance company to even do that. And as soon as we talked to her, she said, yes, that is where you need to be. Mm -hmm. That is the best decision. So then, of course, we started planning how we're going to figure out getting to Texas and what that's going to look like and how they're going to do labs there and how we're going to fly back and forth. Um, And they determined that it wouldn't be good for my body to try to have another surgery back to back. They felt like the way that the cancer spreads is, is they call it slow growing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so they felt like there was time for my body to heal a little bit. They said they wouldn't recommend it before about that five month mark, which left me with a lot of anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Slow growing. It's still growing. Right. (laughs) And, and, and I knew that it was, you know, there's still these, these cells that are producing this mucin and they're, they're there. And, and so, yeah, that was, that was kind of intimidating, but at the same time you have to trust your doctor. And that's probably the other thing that's, so hard about these kind of things is it isn't always as easy as I mean I'm a good like let's change our diet let's do this let's do that and I could do all those things that I could do but there's certain things you that are just you, out you of your control, control. yeah you control exactly and then you have to trust this the other this control. other person and that's so, terrifying um, yeah. it is mm-hmm. it is so um so anyway my my oldest daughter had actually she was planning her wedding at the time and um and we were trying to figure out, do we wait until I'm in recovery? We knew we were planning this surgery. And so we decided just to go ahead and, and try to throw a, a wedding in the plans. And so she got married. And one week later, I left for Texas to have my second surgery. Um, and so that was kind of a whirlwind. But I'll tell you, our community came around. I mean, we had people saying, can I come do photography for your daughter's wedding? Can we, um, you know, can I come DJ? for the wedding can we help with chairs like they just came around us and made this wedding happen it was amazing in fact the lewises did the the greeters this morning and jocelyn lewis was at my house like decorating for this wedding the day before just just amazing support from the community just saying let's make this happen for you and and they knew we were going to have a lot of hospital bills and people were just you know donating their time to do flowers and donating their time to just 
come around us and support them. So that was just another another piece of just this like there's this this joy and this beautiful thing that was underlying a little bit hard to enjoy because there was a lot of those tearful moments like I'm going to see them get married but will I be there when oh, yeah. the next stage yeah. are we going to be grandparents are we <clears throat> you know what is this next yeah. stage and I remember one day looking at my my little guy who was probably seven at the time and um, he had no idea really you know did, there was just stress but he yeah. didn't really you know you can't Understand. put your, your mind around what it is and I remember looking at him one day and I just I just started praying like Whatever wisdom I have, help him remember something, you know, help him remember these words, because if I'm not here to speak him again, like I want him to have that. And so just the reality and the gravity of, of what we were dealing with, like I see, we still didn't really know that yeah. prognosis is pretty good for longevity if it doesn't come back and if they can get it all. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of where we were and left. Just for national statistics, since you brought up the longevity, um, if you can catch it, which that's the key, <clears throat> because there's no pain, there's no indication there's a problem, and because your appendix is in kind of an odd spot, um, if they can catch it in time, it's a 97% survival after five years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a really good survival past five years, but like she was saying, be- because of the name, pseudo, it, it mimics other things in yeah. the stomach region, and then they go, oh, you have colon cancer, you have bladder cancer, you have, in your case, you have ovarian cancer, right. which is not what you have. Right. Mm-hmm. You have appendix cancer. So it's a really, it's a really funky cancer. And, you know, I, I just feel really fortunate that you won the hat because it opened up this whole story <laughs> for me that I didn't even know yeah. about this whole new cancer. How scary, though, to, to just be watching your kids and, and thinking that I'm not going to be here soon. Right. How sad. Right, right. A lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. You mentioned something with your seven-year-old, and you have our flyer in front of you, and and, and I know that Amanda's aware of our Mm -hmm. Pathways program. Oh, yes. The Pathways program was designed exactly for what you talked about. Um, The program is not for the person with the appendix cancer. The program is for the seven-year-old who's scared that his mother's going to die. Right. You know, and we now have, we have two volunteers that have passed their background checks. Oh, that's amazing. So we have two volunteers. We are ready to officially start helping children in this area. And we've done everything from a a sophomore who we were to help get their grades back because their grades were slipping. Her mother had bone cancer and she was afraid her mom was going to die. So this yeah, program, so lasting on her mind's school, right? right. And mm-hmm. so the whole purpose of the program is how do we, what do we do? How do we come in with your seven-year-old, right? And you know the idea is that we would take them to Bullwinkles and, you know, get them not to think mom's going to die. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a really necessary program. Bring them back to being a kid. Well, exactly. and that's that's exactly what I feel like now in the aftermath. I've started to see from my kids the different impacts that it had on and all of them yeah. because at the time I think you know kids sometimes they they feel things but they they don't really know how to put that thought into cohesive you know words yeah. that, right. that actually makes sense so they're they're feeling stress they don't really know what to do with it and it's been interesting because over the last few years um at least two of my girls have written papers for school or whatever where they've addressed this issue okay and you know, and where where they were at yeah. with it, and 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 starting to try to put words to that, and I think the longer you are out of it, the more you can feel like okay, I can have this 
this thought now that it's almost like a grieving, like, yeah. a, you know, grieving someone before they're gone. And, and then the trauma sort of just sits there until you start to deal with it. And so I've seen them starting to work through those things. But I know there was there was probably things that haven't come out yet and things that maybe wouldn't. And even my son-in-law, you know, through all of that, I mean, I just thought, what is he thinking of our family? You know, he comes <laughs> over and there was days where they showed up for something and they were excited about something happening at school or whatever. And they were both at, at Corbin at the time. And they'd come home and I'd just be, you know, bawling on the couch you know and and something had just triggered this feeling yeah. of like what what does our future look like and and then I'd have to like pull it together and hey how are you mm-hmm. here's food you know <laughs> yeah it's just, yeah so there's a lot of those things that I think they don't process so well it's always interesting to me um we're we're at our five-year mark Celeste we started getting cancer five years ago and over those five years I call them God moments but how many little tiny things that God connects in this story that is being created. So when I went to give Celeste a shirt, and I said, we well, can do a yellow one, or you can do an orange one. And she's, oh, I'll, I'll do an orange one. And this is a shirt that's left from last year's parade, the, the Love and Run Kaiser Fest parade. Oh, yeah. Well, on the back of this shirt are the people who helped sponsor that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, were you guys one of them? Well, so this is the this is the interesting story. Is do you remember why we did this parade? We did this parade for Morgan. Yes. So we walked with Morgan in the parade. Yep. And the main sponsor was Kevin Mannix. Oh yes. To help me pull this off was a young girl at Kevin's law firm named Haley Guptel. Okay. Who I met a year and a half ago, and it just connected that's your daughter yep yep <laughs> yep that's our second daughter yes so she has a shirt with kevin manx's logo on the back of it <laughs> from when he ran for congress yeah but her daughter walked her daughter walked the parade with us that's amazing and that was just one of those little god connections, yeah yeah you know? yeah state <laughs> representative that's really cool no, congress but Con- yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like get it right yeah <laughs> But, but I, so I met Haley, and, you know, she's just helping us pull this thing off to help Morgan out, and we did this whole walk, and I still remember the car in front of us was Kevin's car. Okay. And then we were right behind him, because the agreement was that Morgan was going to walk, mm. but if Morgan got tired, because she'd just gone through her surgery, right. then she would jump into Kevin's car. Right. But the whole time, Haley's walking alongside Kevin's mm. car because she's representing Kevin. And I remember the, when you won the hat, I kept looking in your eyes going, you look real. Because <laughs> she and Haley look a lot, a lot, a lot. Do you guys? <laughs> we, I yeah. do get that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just an interesting little God connection yeah. that happened along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. So, But there's also an interesting connection between the you two guys because she had appendix cancer and your did have cancer, but your son had. So he had a lot of medical issues and during his surgery to remove he had a what you call a partial pancreatectomy partial whipple procedure um it's a cancer procedure but he didn't have cancer he just had uh this crazy rare um genetic disease but during the surgery they were moving things around and they removed his appendix and his gallbladder and some other things but they said because we were like was something wrong with them like why take them out like doesn't he need them and they're like not necessarily and they can actually become a danger to him because they're not put right back to Mm. where they should have been because we were moving things around and so if he had appendicitis or uh, a ruptured appendix or anything Mm -hmm. um, the symptoms would not be the same and it would go undiagnosed and could be potentially dangerous to him so they removed it Hmm. right away wow 
So in both cases, I just think it's amazing that they, they thought you had ovarian cancer and they just decide to get the appendix out at the same time. Right, right. Not even realizing that the appendix was actually the source of the problem. Right. That yeah. So I guess that's thing. good that they removed it because you had to wait that five months to heal. Right. And so, I mean, I guess... Which would have given five more months for the appendix the, to... Well, right? once it's metastasized, I mean, wherever those cancer cells are, they'll continue. They just continue. grow without but, it. But they did discover that that was the Course. original... Yeah. It was a source of the problem. Was it hard to not have your appendix in there with... Um, with like for their research or their like, were, were without having it, was it harder to diagnose that it came from there? I I don't know how no, yeah. they do that yep. exactly. I, yeah, sure. but they did determine in the labs that that was the original source that it had started from. So it probably has certain markers that they can trace back to. Yeah, and there's other. I mean, there's all these big terms. You know, the uh, yes. muceness, yes. adder, <laughs> candoroga, or you know, whatever. They have all these words. Yes. that, you know, that are scary. It's at this yeah. stage or that stage, and this kind and that kind, and and honestly, I'm not the expert on that. There are so many I, people who are, but. Um, but yeah, for us, a big win was our insurance allowing us to go out of state. I think that was a real game changer yeah. because I have heard so many people on uh, the support page that I follow on on Facebook. We kind of have a community there. They have community talks, and um, you know, because it's so rare, it's important to find support somehow. Yeah, and it's not always local. Although I did um, really bond with a gal up in. Um, is it Roosh, Oregon? Um, anyway, she had also been going through the same thing about a year after me. And so we really bonded and had gotten together a few times. And she's on that page all the time and offering support and trying to reach out to people. But but the biggest thing is that the treatments can really make a difference in your survival. Yeah. I mean, what you were just talking about, removing all these organs. I mean, there, there are doctors who, in trying to figure out how to treat this, started having... You know, oh, well, you can live without this organ or that organ or this organ or that organ, but you're weakening your body's mm-hmm. ability to do what it needs, needs to, to, to heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was one of the reasons we really wanted them to be conservative with, you know, on top of these other things. If, if you know, if these things look healthy, please don't remove them. Leave them. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was pretty unusual. Um, in fact, the, the oncologist there in uh, MD Anderson said, you know, it's like a 50-50 chance. And I said, well, that's, that's a pretty big chance yeah. of, of needing to keep that. And he said, but it's also a pretty big chance of yeah. it coming back. Um, and so we, we were kind of on pins and needles. And, and I had just prayed that if, if things looked healthy, that that was a sign that it was healthy. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, that leaving it would be, I had peace with that. Mm-hmm. And and they did. And and honestly, when I came in for that one-year checkup was when I found out I was pregnant. They went to do, um, they, they make you drink this, um, you know, uh, whatever you drink before a CT scan at MD Anderson. Every, everywhere does it a little different. Silverton does it in an IV, but um, a contrast, mm-hmm. you know. they. And so before I could do that, I had to do a urine test and it came back pregnant <laughs> and you're like and they what? didn't tell me oh what? they didn't tell it because you're you're in this cancer center they don't deal with pregnancies Pregnancy. right and they just kind of came out and said we're gonna take this contrast back into the other room and we need to consult with your doctor who was in the operating room and was we couldn't get a hold of him and so then they they kept and i'm just going i have been starving 
all day. I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, and I had had other children because people say, well, how did you not know? But my body was in such a state yeah. of recovery. I, I didn't know what was what from, well, you know, the stress wow. on top of it. So many the, different, ev- everything. Exactly. Everything was so all over the place. So afterward, of course, I could go back and go, oh, yep, that's why this was happening. And then, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I was six weeks, four days when they did the ultrasound there and they do not do typical, <laughs> you know, oh, look, it's a baby Yay. kind of ultrasound. Yeah. It, was, it was like, we're a cancer center. We're looking. We're looking for, for tumors or, or something like that. And so they took us in for this. Um, yeah. Finally, after we, we talked with our um, somebody over at the doctor's office was uh, able to, I think it was a physician's assistant or something. And she said, you can go ahead and go get food. We're not going to be doing your CT scan. It looks like you're pregnant. And I went, I looked. And and what was so amazing, this was, was the Scott beginning of COVID. Well, he wasn't allowed oh, inside of MD COVID, Anderson because it was COVID. right at the beginning of COVID. And so he was not going to be allowed. Well, a week before my appointment, I had stepped off the curb in front of my friend's house and broken my foot. So oh, I had to gosh. be in a wheelchair. Oh. So we had special bands approval that he was allowed to go to my appointments. Can you even imagine hearing oh. news like that? And he was back oh, at the hotel. Yeah. So thank goodness. That was wow. another one of those God uh, moments. Yeah, right? God yeah. moment. He was there. He was, so I just looked at him and I'm like, mm, okay, well, here we so go. Here, Baby so, number 11. Right. So he's pushing you in the wheelchair and then he passes out, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was probably more excited. I was more like, is the baby going to be okay? Like yeah. you told me this wasn't possible. And I actually um, requested to, because again, they don't tell you anything. They're just sort of like the higher up to talk to you. Yeah. And I said, I said, I'm not going to sleep tonight if I don't talk to somebody. Someone like get them in here on. now. And so we did get someone to come in and talk to us. And, and everyone at that, in, in the entire center that we talked to, it was just jovial. Like, wow, wow this is amazing. Really? You know, and so that well, because was Because it probably wasn't realistically possible is probably what they're thinking. I know. And I said, so is the baby going to have like three legs? Right. <laughs> Will they have a full set of fingers? Like, oh, is everything okay? And he goes, it looks like a healthy nice. pregnancy. And I just went, of course, leave it to the mother of 10, yeah. you know, to be the, the <laughs> game changer here. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was a big surprise, wow. but. Well, we're just thrilled you're here with the rare cancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, um, I did want to, because I always have to bring uh, something shocking. Well, hold on. Did they get it all and it's out and you're good? So and- we're not at the five-year mark yet, which like Baron said, is kind of that like uh, moment of relief. You, you have less. So we're supposed to do six months, every six months, do okay. some kind of CT scan or checkup. But you're clear um, right now. But we have not seen any evidence of disease. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. So the phrase that you want is, it's called NED. NED. No, no evidence, evidence of, of disease. disease. Okay. What it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get that last one. No, bit. that's okay. okay. Go that's ahead. okay. Well, I just, I went back to the statistic for this year. So the American Cancer Society predicted this year there would be 1,958,000 310 new cases of cancer this year. Wow. Which is up from last year, which is up from the year before that. Um, that breaks down to 5,365 a day, or if we pause, dead air is not good on the radio, but if we pause for one minute, four more people just got cancer. Wow. This That's year. a lot. It's a lot. Now, the other one that there's a phrase, Celeste, we use on the radio for people who pass away. We say, do not let them die in vain. Mm. The prediction this year is 609,000. 820 Americans will pass away from cancer. Wow. And that number has been 
a solid 600000 for the last 14 years. Mm. It, it isn't going up, but it isn't going down either. Right. Um, that's 1671 per day. Hmm. And if we pause for one minute, one more person died from cancer. Jeez. Every minute. Four get diagnosed and one, and one passes. Well, and if I can say anything <clears throat> to someone who, who hears of someone or anyone who knows someone who gets this type of cancer, the, the biggest thing is find a specialist. And I, I just, I can't say that enough. There are doctors who are willing to try to treat that. And that's, your prognosis is not great. The mm-hmm. longevity is not great. So find a specialist, whatever it takes. And um, I had sent you some information before about a gal up in Seattle. Um, I don't have her name in front of me right now, but she's called the appendix or the, uh, sorry, the uh, insurance warrior. Yeah. And she, um, I've consulted with her on a couple because my cancer was approved to have out of state care. They actually used me as, as a, um, You're a case study. Yeah. Well, no, but but they used my story to say that other people should have it approved yeah. to go uh, out of state, like an and that was a really important thing. And so, um, so she helps people get the care that they actually need because well, the insurance wants to do whatever's cheapest yeah. for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure that that information is left with Amanda. So anyone who would like to email Amanda. Go ahead at Amanda at KSLM.news. And she'll have that information. Yeah. In our last minute, I, I always try to make an offer to our listeners on the radio because we now have a store. Mm-hmm. It's at 3737 Cherry Avenue. You've been to our store. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to come in the store and get a yellow or an orange, because we don't have amber. So come in and get a yellow or an orange shirt. I'll take 10 bucks off the cost of your shirt. Amazing. All right. Awesome. Okay, you guys, our sponsor for this half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. If you are looking to buy a home or sell a home, give her a call at 503-409-4389. And we will be back next week as the movement continues.